it is definitely difficult to try to replicate the school structure when you're not at school. But I think th that can also present an opportunity to do something different that could be different from the school structure. My name is Rob Van Nood, and you're listening to the second season of Elevate, a podcast about big ideas, little projects, and everything in between. Educators and students share their short, elevator pitch-sized stories to raise your awareness of everything that is going on here at Catlin Gable School. As the realities of this long-term quarantine set in, I wanted to reach out to students and parents to hear how they were coping. In this extended two-chapter episode of Elevate, I speak with students and parents about life and learning during quarantine. In the first chapter, middle school students Eric, Maya, and Mira, and upper school students Stella, Lauren May, and Benjamin share what's been hard, how they've been finding ways to adjust to remote learning, and what they appreciate about their teachers. And before we get started, I wanted to point out that for both sets of interviews, we were using Zoom, so you will notice some places where the audio quality is compromised. So I'm Lauren May, I'm a senior, and I've been at Catlin since preschool. And I think this time has been really hard there's something really tiring about being on your computer every day and just doing that same thing every day and not really I part of the thing I really miss about going to school is the physical aspect of going to school and that for me going to school was an escape and losing that was very hard and that transition was very hard so could you say a little bit more about what you mean by school was an escape? What do you mean by that? I just, it's really easy for me to compartmentalize everything um, and being able to go to school and be distracted with all the teachers that I can talk to, all my friends that I can talk to. Um, being at school allowed me to be in a different mind space. Yeah, well, while you're talking, I see a lot of people nodding their head when you were, were saying that it was really hard. Eric, you want to say something about that? Looks like you wanted to jump in. Uh, yeah, it's been hard when the foundation of my day has gone. Um, each day, it, I used to have um, like markers that I could set my time to. And without that, it's been really hard. So what are you doing instead? Like, what, what are the, the methods that you're using to try to deal with that, Eric? I'm not. It's really hard. Like, I'm trying. Um, I've been trying to focus. I've been trying to put things in my day, breaks, lunches, things like that, um, for me to base my day off of. But it's been really hard to do that and replicate a school day. It's, like, impossible. Ben, what do you think? Benjamin, what's your, your thoughts there? Yeah. Um, hi. So I am Benjamin Olshin, and I am a junior at Catlin Gable. Um, I really want to second what Lauren May and Eric were saying. Um, and I have 
found I one of the things that I really miss about going to school is the micro interactions with people um, that I would see in the hallways or um, people in the the barn or cafeteria. Um, and to Eric's point, I was thinking about it is definitely difficult to try to replicate the school structure when you're not at school. But I think for th that can also present an opportunity to do something different that could be different from the school structure. One of the things that I've been trying to do is try to work on things in more condensed periods. So instead of maybe like 45 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes working on something, I've been trying to like set a goal of, could I really go deep into this subject for two hours? And then could I take a break or something like that? So has that been working? Do you have an example of a class that, that you were doing that? Um, I've been, I'm really interested in photography and videography. Um, and the, the longer periods of work have been really helpful. Um, I am collaborating with Jackson, Schro Jackson Schroeder on a video of um, the upper school doing different act upper school students doing activities during quarantine. Um, and then putting that all in a compilation when the, the increased time has been really helpful for that. Nice. Well, and, and everything you guys are saying, you know, we'll come back to, you know, I know there's, there's five of you or six of you here. So, um, we'll, we'll try to circle, circle back around to everybody. Stella, you had your hand up earlier. Do you want to jump in? Yeah. Um, I would definitely agree that it's kind of hard. It's at least for me, it's hard to go from like, like constant basically like social interaction or at least like dependable social interaction to like none really quickly um and like that's like one of the biggest parts of school for me like it's like I can still get my work done from home but I just really miss like seeing like people outside my family um and like zooming and stuff it's fun but it's just it's not quite the same Mira did you want to respond there um, I was actually going to respond to kind of what Eric said earlier. Like for me, it's been really hard to also replicate a school day because um, I also get distracted really easily. And then it takes me a long time to do my work, like much longer than it should be. And um, what's it called? But the bad thing is I've just gotten so used to being on the screen all day and like barely talking to anyone that I don't know, I just, feel like it's just I feel like I've gotten used to something that's just very abnormal which just feels odd I don't know so do you notice that there's a, a just like physically or mentally there's something different do you I, I know it's difficult for everybody everyone's obviously feeling this experience of being kind of trapped in their houses or um, it, do you notice yourself um, just kind of physically or emotionally feeling different? Yeah, I feel like I always feel a lot more tired because I'm always very close to my bed and I'm like, I just want to go to sleep. And then I know I just, it doesn't feel like going to school where you're actually like going around and like talking to everyone. And with this, I'm just in my room doing work and it's a lot, it feels like I'm just doing homework all day, which I basically am. So yeah. Oh, and I also forgot to say I'm Mira and I'm in sixth grade. Maya, you want to jump in there? Yeah. Uh, I'm Maya Chandra. 
I'm a sixth grader at Catlin. And I was wanting to add on to what Eric and Mira were talking about. And I totally agree that it's been kind of, it's been pretty hard to replicate the schedule that we've been having oh, when we go to, when we go to school. But I also found a helpful resource in that Catlin sent out a schedule that we, that we could help use to plan our day around. And I kind of tweaked it to what I do most. And that was pretty helpful for me, at least. So what is that that you do most? How did you tweak it? Well, they had things on there, like doing chores or when we should do our homework. And I, like, went, get up and go to bed at different times and on the schedule, for example. So I do some more work in the morning, but then I might go outside more in the afternoon, for example. Eric, did you want to respond to that? Oh, yeah. Um, so I forgot to mention earlier, I'm Eric Gronsville. I'm in sixth grade, and I've been here since preschool. Um, and it's been – I have a joy in going to school every day. Um, I really – I love school. I know a lot of um, people in books I'm reading like, oh, school. But I really enjoy it. There's a part that couldn't um, – can never be recreated. Um, the socialization, the learning, the teachers, the interactions, um, that's all been kind of cut away. And instead of feeling that joy when I wake up in the morning now, it's more like a long day of homework. And it seems like there's not a break. Yeah, do you think you're going to have, um, when when school, you know, the physical part of school starts up again, or do you think that will change your um appreciation for what you have has that been kind of in your mind like oh i really i realize i i mean you you obviously said you really like school anyway but do you think that's going to be a greater appreciation for me not as much um i i registered um about in fourth grade how lucky i was to be going to such a great school um and I really appreciate um, the fact that I have these opportunities. Um, although it may be hard, I think it's going to be a lot harder for the people who don't have online school, who don't have digital learning, um, who are going to have to play an endless game of catch-up pretty much. Yeah, Lauren, you had your hand up. What, uh, what do you want to say? Um, I just wanted to ask the middle schoolers how their schedule has changed since I don't really know what their change looks like since I'm in the upper school. Mira, you want to respond to that? Yeah, sure. Um, so what's it called? Uh, how my how our schedule has changed is we have a five-day schedule, and it's basically the same like cycle through all the blocks that we would have, but it's just five days instead of seven. All right. Stella, you had your hand up. Um, yeah, like kind of like what Eric said, I kind of took it for granted that um, that uh, like going to school and like that, that it was kind of like, oh, this is just how it always is and how it's always going to be. And it's just kind of uh, it was like and now it's just kind of like, well, that changed very quickly and unexpectedly. Oh, wait, I didn't introduce myself. I'm Stella. Um, I'm a freshman. And, and it's just kind of like. I think I'll appreciate like, like the physical act of being at school more when we do go back. 
it sounds like everybody's feeling a little bit like the the way they're experiencing school right now is just a lot of homework that you're just kind of sitting in front of a screen kind of doing a lot of homework i don't know if that's everybody but i see people kind of shaking their heads what do you think if if you could just send a message to teachers at catlin now that you've had this remote learning experience for a long time and they're all trying to figure it out as well they're all pretty exhausted and I think there are a lot of feelings the same way sitting in front of screens all day. Do you guys have suggestions? You know, we still have seven more weeks of school. Do you have suggestions about how um, things might work better in terms of the kind of things that you would like to do or how you could use your time or how the schedule could work? I listened to the podcast uh, two weeks ago with Crystal Berkeley and um, Kelly, and I appreciated hearing them because it humanized and felt like my experience that I'm having is real but in terms of what I want to leave as a message to Catlin is I kind of wish that they had a bigger change in their promises about the grading system for this semester because this is such a weird time and our grading system should also reflect that. I know there's a lot that went into deciding the grading system but school isn't the top, shouldn't be expected to be the top priority at this moment. There are personal things that are impacting a lot of people's lives and expecting such and not reflecting that with our grading system seems like a disservice to me. So can you say a little bit more about that? I don't know if everybody knows what, what uh, that grading system is or how it's changed or what's happening in the upper school. Yeah, in, grades. in the upper school, um, they just decided to keep it normal. And there are a bunch of systems that have been proposed. There's like this pass-fail system that a lot of colleges have implemented. Um, there's another system called the universal pass where everybody gets a pass no matter what. And I'm personally a fan of that because that lifts the burden of having to think about school because I believe that school shouldn't be a priority right now. Other people, reactions, or want to build off of what Lauren May was saying? Eric? I think that it would be good to add more social interactions um, through Zoom, um, because I feel like the one thing, one of the things we're lacking right now is just time to talk. I mean, I know people are saying, oh, just do it on your own time. But that's really hard um, to get a hold of people, to um, have a set space to do that. Um, so if we could implement something like that um, somehow into the day, that would be really helpful and beneficial for a lot of people, I think. Mira? Um, I was just going to say I agree with Eric because, like, I have a lot of friends that I'm not, like, super good friends with, but I do talk to them during the day at school. And I just haven't been able to really hang out with those people. I've I've had like Zooms with my very close friends, but like besides that, I haven't really been talking to the other people. Do you think it would be helpful if teachers um, gave a chunk of time during each hour that they have that could just be like, hey, we're going to give the last 10 minutes just to have breakout rooms that you can meet up with your friends or would that be something that would be helpful do you think 
Yeah, I think that at least, well, I know for me, um, the teachers have been ending a lot of classes like 10 minutes early or 20 minutes early, just if they get stuff done pretty quickly. And so if they use that as like a time where you could just talk with your friends, that maybe that might be, um, that would be helpful. Other people want to build that on that or have other things they want to talk about in terms of just like what teachers could be thinking about to, to make things work a little bit better. Benjamin. I think it's a really interesting idea for um, social time to be built into the schedule. I know that I was talking with um, some of my teachers, specifically my English teacher, Tony Stocks, and he was mentioning how um, because of the remote learning format, he's had to cut a lot of the content that we were actually going to be learning. Um, so I was maybe thinking of keeping the idea of the administration or the school in general, providing more socialization opportunities, maybe in a different, um, a different time than just um, than the class times. And are you thinking that would happen like through zoom or, I mean, there's, what, what, what kind of formats do you think would work? You know, I think Zoom's one of them. My daughter is on, you know, different social media apps where their kind of friends are hanging out. Do you think the school should be providing that platform in a different way than just Zoom? I'm not sure. I think um, I, I like the format of Zoom personally. Anybody else want to jump in there? Eric, you have your hand up. Well, I was wondering, like, for other people, how has it felt how teachers are assigning homework? Like, there's classes and homework, and how is that working? Mira? I think that it's been, like, for me, it's just been a lot of, like, staring at the screen all day, which has just been very annoying. And sometimes I wonder if there was, like, a way teachers could assign work that had to do with, like, talking to our family or going outside or just something or just like even writing on paper and not typing on the screen, just like that would be very helpful, I think, because I've just been looking at the screen so much that I've gotten very tired of it. Maya? In response to Eric's question, I know we're, we have basically the same classes, so he knows a lot of what I'm doing, but I think teachers in general are doing a pretty good job of assigning a good amount of homework for each night based on the content we've learned each day. It sounds like you're pretty satisfied with how things are going. Yeah, I think teachers are doing a great job. So one of the conversations that I was having with the three teachers um, in the last episode was we were just kind of brainstorming some possible ways to help this feel a little bit more interesting, less staring at screens like Mira's been talking about. And one of those thoughts was, do teachers throw out their curriculum that they have right now? Benjamin's talking about Tony Stocks having all this curriculum that he wanted to teach originally and then kind of having to narrow it down. How would you guys react if your teachers came to you tomorrow and basically said, hey, you know, we got seven weeks left. It seems like there's a lot of people that are doing okay. People are doing fine with this. We've kind of figured a lot of this basic stuff out, but there's a lot of staring at screens. What if we decide to build something together instead? And we just say, well, what do we want to do? What do we want to do as a class? What would make you excited to actually get up in the morning rather than what Eric's saying? Like, he's kind of like, ah, he doesn't love it. What, what would make you feel, oh, I'm excited to do this and then continue for the next many weeks rather than just, ah, I'm staring at a screen. 
Benjamin, you want to? Yeah. Um, so my, my science class, my biology class that um, Lauren May is also in, we, our syllabus, um, the content that we're learning now is completely different from what we planned. Um, we are doing a deep dive into um, learning about coronavirus and also related topics. And that has been some of the most interesting content that I've learned um, in my entire time at Catlin. Um, we talked with a virologist who, um, who works in a biotech company in um, Philadelphia. And we just, Veronica, um, Veronica Ledoux, the science teacher, was able to um, get in touch with her. And we had a meeting, uh, a conversation with her over Zoom. That was really, really amazing. Um, and what the structure of that class um, has been now is we are looking at both the primary source um, research from medical journals that Veronica is providing for us, and also we are analyzing parts of the news and looking at different news articles. Um, and then having discussions about that. Um, so that is something that I'm really interested in. And I think a way that the um, Veronica and the, the Catlin um, Science Department and curriculum have been really um, amazing to help us learn about um, a very real world application while we're in a pandemic. Eric, you wanted to respond? Well, I don't believe that the solution we should be taking with our curriculum is trying to cram part of what we had planned into this new environment because um, not only do I think that's uh, hard for teachers but also for the students. Um, if trying to um, take pieces of what we had and try to string them back together of our old topics and things that we were going to learn, I feel like it's losing part of what the the learning that would have been there if it weren't for the pandemic. I think that there should be a balance between um, getting a new kind of curriculum and um, continuing to learn what we need to learn uh, that will be used in the future so we won't have to catch up. Mira? Um, I just, well, I want to say that I think that I agree with that, but the teachers probably, I don't know how long it takes for them to plan their lessons, but they probably don't have all that much time because, like, they probably had to adjust a lot, too, to this. I didn't listen to the other podcast, but I just, I don't know. I feel like stuff that they were already going to teach just was the only thing that the planning time would allow. Eric, go ahead. You wanted to respond there. Yeah, I would not want to put any extra burden um, on any of my teachers because I believe this probably was very hard for them. Um, and if, but if there was a way um, to slightly alter it, um, to add some more hands-on activities or hands-virtually-on activities, um, that could be um, a change that could be plausible and fun. So Benjamin gave an example of something he thought the teacher was doing really well. And I, I think probably all the teachers would agree with this idea that it's really hard. I know that it is for everybody. Do people have some more examples of 
maybe some particular things some teachers have done that have been like really different or made it, you know, more interesting to be in this situation. Stella? Um, well, not necessarily more interesting, but I feel like some teachers, like especially I feel like in upper school, um, some teachers are like working harder, it seems like, to make sure that like the haiku or canvas, like the page like, makes sense. Because a couple of my classes, I'm like, where in the world is anything? And like, and that'll be like stuff that's like linked from a Google Doc that's linked somewhere else, and it's just really confusing. But then there's some teachers like that have it's so clear, and it's like like it makes it like it makes such a big difference if it's easy to follow. Which is probably kind of the same in any class, right? You're you really want to have that kind of easy to follow thing of the of the teachers that you feel like have have done a good job with that. Um, is there a particular thing that you have done or a particular experience you've had that felt like it stood out? My English class, like the, like the sheet, like it says like what we should get done before. Um, it's like a, it's like a table. Um, it has like what we should get done before Zoom and like what we're going to be doing during class, which is helpful because it's like, okay, I know what to expect and you can work ahead if you want to, but like it's also like, okay, I just need to do this and then I'll be okay. Right. Um, it kind of gives you gives you a sense yeah. of what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lauren May? When we transitioned to Zoom classes, I really appreciated my Dialogue for Democracy class with Crystal and George. We, at the beginning of each class, we have this ritual where we just have a random check-in prompt. Rob, you were in a few of my classes, so mm-hmm. I think you might know about this. Yep. But George or Crystal will come up with a prompt and then they added this aspect through the Zoom call where you have to like throw it to the next person who's supposed to speak and just being able to hear everyone in the class and just having that fun moment to check in with everyone is always enjoyable. You know, one of the things I noticed pretty early on and probably everybody has this experience is everybody just feels like you're just being stared at by a group of people and the energy of like people joking around or having conversations is lost. The experience I had with you, Lauren May, in that class was, let's lighten it up a little bit. Can we have some fun in ways that can be kind of a joke or tell a story or something? Are, are there some other examples of people doing that or teachers just lightening it up a little bit and making people smile? Mira? Um, actually, I was going to say something that's a bit different, but just one thing teachers have been doing that's actually been really helpful is letting us unmute ourselves because you can kind of just hear what's happening and it doesn't feel like you're like the only person in the room with the teacher and everyone else is just looking at you. It feels more like there's actually other people in the room with you when you can hear all the background noise and stuff. So, yeah. So you mean the other people, so you can hear dogs barking or people walking around. It kind of feels like you're in the house a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if it's not like to if, if it is too loud then they obviously ask people to mute themselves but like if it's just you can hear like a li- some people talking in the other room or something then that just feels very like it feels as close as i can get to actually being with the people right um in response to your question about how teachers have been lightening the mood a little I know that office hours has been a great time, not only since it's a break in our schedule to lighten the homework load a little bit on Wednesdays, 
we also have been able to just pop in, have a conversation with the teachers, and there are generally some other kids there that we can talk to. So I know yes, just yesterday I had a nice conversation with a couple other sixth graders and my English teacher. So that was really fun. I wanted to um, jump ahead a little bit or jump forward a little bit to talk to some of the upper school. What are you feeling about moving forward in, in terms of, you know, how this experience has been and, and your thoughts on kind of ending your year in this really, really bizarre way and maybe kind of hope for the future of, of the summer and what, what's going on next year? From like my friends who've graduated in previous years, I feel like there's usually this there's this magic where your class just comes together at the end and everyone's um, feeling nostalgic and everyone's coming together. And I don't think I'll know what that really is. Um, but my class has been having some random senior Zooms and we've been sometimes checking in on each other. And those moments are really special since we don't know when we're going to get to see each other or celebrate each other, but I don't know. I, I'm, I've lost something, but I don't feel like I've lost something because I don't really know what that is I've lost. Um, but it's weird knowing that I've been here for so long and I might not be able to see these people again. Yeah. Are you doing anything... Um... Is anything happening in terms of celebrations for you to at least try to bring some closure to the year that you feel is at least, a, you know, a good attempt at, at doing that? Yeah, I think they're trying to come up with some graduation ideas, but I don't know of any solid plans that are happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Daisy, who's who's works in the IT office with me, had this great idea. She's like, well, what if we rent out a drive-in movie theater and people could still all come together and have a graduation and all be parked next to each other? And, and I thought that was kind of a clever way to think about dealing with this social distancing in a, in a fun way. I, I think she did bring that as an idea, but um, people have to kind of think outside of the box a little bit to make it work. I wanted to give everybody a chance if they had other things they wanted to share or thoughts um, that they thought were important about your experience. And, and that could be about school. It could just be about what it's like for you um, to be a kid uh, having to go through this. So, you know, again, I open it up for anybody to have kind of a last, a last chance to share out some ideas or thoughts that they might want to share. I just wanted to thank our teachers because I think they've been working really hard and doing an outstanding job. And I know we don't see a lot of it, but I'm really appreciative of all the work they've done to make sure we're still learning. And it's been a great experience. Yeah, I would second that. Let's just go ahead. Everybody can just turn their, their microphones back on. I like that idea of just having everybody's kind of noise so we don't have to, we can hear each other. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to kind of share some of your ideas. Later tonight, I'm going to be sitting down with parents. So there will be also the parent perspective of, of how things are, are going. And I think people really appreciate your, the perspective and your, your thoughts. And maybe take some of that, the, the advice that you guys gave to, to help make the last month or so um, more interesting.
Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, teachers. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, teachers. Thanks. When this country was first encountering the fearful realities of COVID-19, I recognized that many parents of school-aged kids were suddenly in the dual role of worrying about its impact on their aging parents, who might not be taking it that seriously sometimes, and having to figure out how to convey the serious implications of social distancing to their children. Now, as we've moved into our fifth week of remote learning, parents are having to take on monumental tasks of figuring out how to support learning in new ways, and in some cases, they've had to take on the role of teacher themselves. In the second chapter, I sit down with two Catlin Gable parents to hear how things are faring in their homes. PFA President Mimi Say and PFA Beginning and Lower School Coordinator Becky Lennon give a taste of what it's like to parent in a time of quarantine. I'm uh, Mimi Say, um, president of the Catlin Gable Parent Faculty Association, also a board member, parent to um, a daughter in the ninth grade and a son who is graduating this year. And um, I've been on the PFA, what, six of the seven years we've been at the school um, in a you know voluntary capacity, but just been part of the community generally, and it's been great, so. And I am Becky Lennon. I am the Parent Faculty Association Division Coordinator for the Beginning and Lower School, and I am a parent to a fourth grader who started in kindergarten, so it's a fifth year at Catlin and a kindergartner who started this year. So I've had the opportunity to talk to both a group of students and a group of teachers who shared, uh, mostly they talked a lot about kind of the difficulty of what's happening right now for everybody. Could you guys talk a little bit about uh, your experience through this period of time so far and how it's been affecting you personally, and all, but also your family? I'll, I'll leave it at that, kind of open-ended. How, how, how are things going? Yeah. How are you managing? Yeah, <laughs> best um, Oh, thanks, Mimi. That's it's a good question, um, and I think it's for me. It has changed already. It's only been a few weeks. Um, at the beginning, I I felt really grateful for the extra time with my kids. I think, especially with my kindergartner, you know, she's our last child, and I thought, oh, I'm kind of being gifted this time back with her. Um, I still, I'm still grateful. But it's also been getting harder as time goes on. I think it's harder for everybody to stay home, you know. Um, so different from our norm and distance learning has gotten harder as well, especially for my kindergartner. I think kids that age are just not really built for sitting in Zoom meetings. Um, and they're so physical and um, it's been really hard for her. And I've really found myself grieving the lack, for her especially, the lack of that saying goodbye to the beehive that happens at the end of kindergarten. Um, that's such a big and important transition. I mean, um, obviously Kenya's having a big important transition too, Mimi, that is, yeah. you know, arguably um, much bigger in his life. And the funny thing about my kindergartner is that she, I don't think she's really grieving that. And it's, not something that she's even thinking about because she's very much in the moment. It's more, it's more me, you know, I'm sad about leaving the beehive and having lost all these traditions that happen at the end of that year. Um, 
so that that's been on my mind a lot yeah and for me um Becky, like you said uh, i have a, a graduating um, um senior this year and so there's issues with that where um i know he's putting on a brave face you know but i'm sure that he's also going to miss all of those things that come with the 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 end of the year not only the end of the year but your last year at captain gable significant um traditions that we've had in the community and so he's going to miss out on those so that makes him nervous makes us nervous a little bit we're trying to figure out other ways just as a family to recognize and to celebrate him you know finishing high school and um, in my capacity at the school, we're also trying to find ways to recognize all of our seniors, you know, and appropriately so. So it's not just this disjointed end to the entire experience. And for some of these kids, I feel especially bad because they, they have been lifers at Gavin. And so these, ha these have been the traditions they've been used to for, for 13 years or something. But just generally as a family, I am, it's not lost on me. I'm extremely grateful that we're at a place like Catlin where we were able to pivot so quickly and um, um, use resources, use them well to be able to just come into distance learning like that. I think a lot of other institutions from what I know struggled a little bit with just making that switch to like, oh, wait a minute, we're going to distance learning coming back out of spring break. You know what I mean? I'm grateful and also mindful of the, the, the fact that we had um, resources available to us so quickly and a, a staff that was willing to 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 kind of meet th these challenges we're facing now so so that's been good but like every other family there are um, things that we miss there are things there are joys that we found in this there's more time um, I don't like the fact that we're eating later dinners now that's <laughs> that's something I've had to you know what I mean to, to con consider seriously but for me, the change hasn't been much because I, I, I work from home. I, I write at home. You know, that's what I do. So I find that I'm really efficient because when everybody's in school, per se, at their laptops, I'm, I also make the time to do what I do. And then we commune in the kitchen afterward. So it's great. It, you know, there's pros and cons, but so far, so good. So far, so good. Yeah, I, hearing that there are, you know, four of you on devices all the time, I start thinking mm -hmm. of these practical things like the Wi-Fi, mm -hmm. which has been, you know, kind of an issue for us on a enough and it's really only I have two students and then my husband is a public school teacher and so he is on zoom for a lot of the day uh, you know I mean that's kind of just been been a funny thing not that that's been this terrible drain on our energy but it's just new you know it's not something that I was used to juggling before yeah yeah it's crazy the the, it, the internet piece ever so often I mean I've heard I've, I've not heard this as much as I've heard it now, it's like, what's wrong with the internet? You'll hear someone from their bedroom like, what's wrong with the internet? Like mm -hmm. uh, overload, because right now you have your phone, you have your computer, you have, you know, all, all four of our laptops are connected and it, it's not used to this, you know, it's doing somersaults right now because it's just like, the internet is shocked that it has exactly. to with all of issues right now, you know? But it's, it's all part of, part of the experience and part of learning. I think also, and again, in relation to, and, and Ben, you can touch on this also, in relation to um, like the stuff we do at Catlin, I'm saying like parents who volunteer, I find that I'm so efficient when I, when I sit at the computer to be able to do some of these things because I'm only doing that. Mm -hmm. I'm not going from office to office. I'm not visiting with anybody. I'm not talking. I'm not going to the barn and getting a snack or coffee or something like that you know what i mean yeah so all my time is on the computer and i do what i need to do and i'm 
longing for like to get off, you know, so I could do something different. So I find that we're very, we're using smaller amounts of time to really do what we do and to do it well. So. Yeah. And yeah. I, I live on the East side. And so without the driving and without the commute, that adds time too. And that's been something, another thing that I've been grateful for is that my kids are kind of getting a break from all the driving that we used to do. Um, which is fabulous, but I know they can't wait to get back. You know, they can't wait to get back in the car. And yeah. Yeah. You know, kind of, kind of feel like we've left Rob out of the conversation. We're just going. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, it, it's it's funny. Speaking of the internet, my you know, I set this interview up, and my internet is doing horrible things. And at the same time as this was happening, my neighbor started running a huge wood chipper outside oh. my window. <laughs> so I, I, you might have noticed I got up and I moved, but I'm like, are you kidding me? A wood chipper right this. This has never happened in my life, and I'm I'm doing this interview, and they're running a wood chipper right outside the door. So, you know, it's, it is kind of a crazy time. Um, it is crazy. I I was just thinking when you were talking, Mimi, about the um, the fact that you're eating in all these kind of different times, and like my family's, that's the same thing. It's like suddenly time is really different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, how how are your kids feeling about that? Because for me, it actually, there's something that's happened where it feels like um, time has almost reset itself in, in, in a more natural way. I, I feel like the, the, the scheduling of school for me and my family, you know, we get up early, we eat, we rush out. I travel too. I'm, you know, I'm coming from Northeast Portland and I spend, you know, probably a good hour and a half, two hours in the car. On, on kind of bad days, you know, faster on, on good days. But I have found with all the stresses and not going anywhere that I'm like, oh, this, this feels like a more natural rhythm. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, I, I was looking at the clock yesterday. I was like, oh my God, we just finished din dinner and it's 8.30. Um, <laughs> does, like, does it feel like the kids are in your household are just kind of moving with that or that just kind of happens? You know, so first, let me say this disclaimer first, right? I have in my house two giant scholar athlete boys, okay, who normally would be in the kitchen at one o'clock in the morning. Right. Oh, so I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> so that's that. It's like that I've seen and, and I'm sort of kind of used to, but not to, to this extent to where it's like the, I know what you're talking about, like the family planned dinner is happening sitting down to eat at eight o'clock. I mean, it, it, one of them has said, because, and, and because my kids are athletes also, has, has said that this is kind of late for us to be eating. You know what I mean? Like it's really late. But it, it's weird because that's, I'm hearing from, I'm hearing that from, from Kenya, who's, who's the senior, who's used to the routine that he's used to at Catlin, from Juma, who's returning from college. I mean, a college kid is up till late. 12, one o'clock. So for him, he's just like, this is the hour when the kitchen's closed, but the right. battery downstairs is open. I can go there and get, you know, chips and nuggets and stuff. And so he's like, it's fine for me because I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and run and it'll be it just, you know, 
disappear from my 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 metabolism. For me as the parent, I'm just like, okay, 8:30 at night, I'm having dinner. This is not quite, you know. But for the, for the kids, honestly, it's not so much of a shift, but they are aware. They are aware that we are sitting down right now to eat at like eight and eight thirty. And I know it's been a concern because of sports, because, you know, Kenya's thinking of it and saying, well, right now is actually the middle of my track season. So really I should be at my best as far as my eating habits, my sleeping, my um, exercise, drinking water, you know, eating my vegetables and all, all that kind of stuff. So for him, he's very conscious of, of the times, you know, but also that they, they, we've been rolling with the punches. I think to this point, honestly, all of these rhythms, they, they come up, they remind us of themselves, but we're so lenient. We're trying to be lenient with ourselves as they come up. You know what I mean? Because we, I think because we know there's, no, there's nothing else we can do right now. There's nothing we can do about it. Even if you try to be very, very strict and say, I'm going to eat at 6.30 like I'm used to eating. Well, that's not how it's going to work out tomorrow. You know, you could do it today, but tomorrow might just be it. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, so we're adjusting. We're, with that, to, the honest answer is we're just going with the flow. We're going with the flow, but we're recognizing that, oh, this is different, you know? Yeah. How about, so how about you, Becky, with, with, the young, with younger kids? I know, you know, when I was a parent of much younger kids, it, that, that routine was really important. And, you know, it was like 7 o'clock, we get in the bath. And 7.30, we read the book. And, you know, those, you know, have you felt like you can keep those types of routines that are maybe more important for those much younger kids? Yeah, we, especially around eating, we have kept the times the same. Um, and we have kind of a set snack time at the approximately the times that they would have snack at school. Um, because I know from the past and from the couple days that maybe, you know, it slipped during this quarantine time, um, they're, emotional regulation is so dependent on whether or not they have eaten. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the sibling fighting and all that kind of stuff is so much worse when they haven't eaten consistently. So we are keeping the food times um, really consistent, but they're loving it because in the evenings, you know, normally, I think I actually live pretty close to you, Rob. I live in Northeast Portland as well. Um, Normally the evenings are so rushed, you know, we have that long drive home and we have dinner and everything and um, finishing up homework for the older one. But now during dinner, um, we often are watching a movie in the evenings, you know, while we eat. Um, we have so much time in the day to, to talk to each other and interact that it's not like we have to keep that family dinner so Thank sacred you. anymore, you know, to talk mm -hmm. about the day. We all know exactly what happened during the day. <laughs> um, so they've been loving that, like, oh, we could watch a movie all together um, while we eat, but it's still at the same time, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. like that idea that we all know what we've been doing. There's, there's no more of this kind of like, what did you do at school today or the check-in, you know? <laughs> We, we know what you were Very doing. <laughs> we, we were there. We heard the whole thing. You know, we, yeah. um, you know, do, having had a chance to talk with uh, the students, uh, the middle school and the upper school students, one of the students at the beginning was really saying, you know, I'm getting so tired of staring at screens all the time. And all their heads were, do you know, we were doing a Zoom conversation. They were all nodding their heads. Um, how has that been? I know, Becky, you were saying it's, you know, it's hard to do for kindergartners. And we, you guys have this range between kindergartners and seniors. 
how is the school experience been um, just in terms of what they're doing and how you are adjusting as parents to help support that? Because I think what I've heard from, you know, all of my friends that have uh, kids at all sorts of different ages is that especially the younger ones is that they're just, they're frazzled. They, they're being asked to work, you know, online too, if they have jobs and then they're trying to manage their kids. And some of them are like, forget it, you know, curriculum. I, I'm not doing any of this homework stuff, you know, just like, I can't deal with that. What, how has that been as a parent to suddenly be thrust in this role of teacher, parent, all, all in one? How has that been? Yeah, it's, as I mentioned, it's been tough, especially for my kindergartner. Um, my older child is really social. And so even though um, I, I wouldn't say she loves staring at the screen all day, she loves seeing her teachers and her classmates on Zoom. That, and that's really a necessity for her. Um, the younger one is not as social and, and has a hard time sitting in front of a Zoom meeting. So she definitely needs to be managed um, and she hasn't been going to a lot of her classes and you know I've been in touch with her teacher and going through you know those parenting questions like well do I bribe her to go to her class or you know <laughs> do I just let her skip it and we just just do the assignments and hand them in um, she often just gets up and walks away you know during her classes and I have to kind of guide her back in like no still in class sit down and I know she's not alone I know she's not the only one in her class who's having trouble sitting or um, you know having her whole their their zoom agreements are like have your whole face in the screen you know mm -hmm. <laughs> basics right. like that right. um, <laughs> that are difficult for them <laughs> so um, she she has needed a lot of managing for sure um, and it's been that has been really exhausting <laughs> Um, but my fourth grader is much, she manages her own stuff for the most part. Um, when she needs help with projects, it can get a little bit hard if, if she's getting really stressed out about it. But for the most part, um, she manages her class and is just thrilled to, to see those people. That's nice. For me, for, for, because mine are a little older, like I said, the youngest is a freshman. They, they've been able to manage their um, schedules and what they need to do and be where they're supposed to be or in class or be, show up how they're supposed to show up, prepared homework and that kind of thing. So I haven't had to do much with that. But I know that when this started, I had a conversation with them to say, look, this is really not a shift in the intensity, the amount of intensity that you should put into your schoolwork. It really isn't because it's going to feel you're, this is really a true test of how you can manage your own time. And we spend a lot of time at Catlin talking about time management and self-advocacy, that kind of stuff. Um, on the part of the student, not so much the, 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 the way the day is scheduled, maybe by Aline or, or Ted or Dawn or whatever, but your own management of those times. This is actually a true test for that you know how successful how have you learned to do that this is a true test so i expect that you will manage that time i'm not going to get granular with it and try to you know are you there did you show up at 11 15 were you in front of your computer i'm not going to do that mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so i'm not going to do that for you you know what i mean you have to do that but also i wanted them to understand that it really shouldn't take away from the shift because now it's like you know, it's, 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 you know, it's kind of like lenient, right? It's like we're not in class. It's not like uh, Patrick has to say, hey, sit at your seat. Don't be, you know, fooling around. You could just automatically mute the thing or mute video and you could be doing 10,000 other things and maybe just listening in. I was like, no, we're not going to do that. You have to 
sit and you have to be there and you have to be present. So once that was said in the beginning, they, they figure it out. The one thing that has come up though, that I've heard a lot, and it's been from Juma since he's back, is this whole universal pass fail, as opposed to grades they were having before, as far as the work, as far as the academics of it. And he's just like, this is just a killer for me because for the type of child who's been doing this well, and then now it's just like, okay, if you pass, you pass, you fail, you fail. He's just like, are you serious? You know how much work I put in up until this point to get the grades that I've gotten, and now you're just going to tell me? He gets it. He gets that it's, it's, it's for, done in terms of equity for everybody, but that's been difficult. So that's brought up a lot of conversations. And I know that Kenya was nervous about it for a little bit, but then at Catlin, we don't have to worry about it because for us, we don't do grades. You know what I mean? So I guess we, it's for us, this is just an easy, easy, you know, segue into the way we're learning now. But I, I found that for the, the most of the involvement that I've had to do as far as the academics and work and stuff that goes into actually doing this distance learning has been around conversations around that, the pass fail. And then just one time I had a conversation about just make sure you are where you're supposed to be because I'm not going to police that. I really am not. I'm trying to be where I, where I need to be, you know? So, so it's worked out. But, I, but Becky, I respect what you're saying. It's, it's much different for teenagers than it is for um, kids, your kids' age. Yeah, much different. So are there, you know, thoughts that you have or, or, or that you've had in terms of conversations with people in your family or friends about um, the sustainability of the way it's structured right now long-term? You know, that we obviously are going to be going for another seven weeks, at least for mm -hmm. people that are, you know, not all the seniors, but um, for, for everybody else, we've got another close to two months. Um, you know, if everything is works out, it seems like we'll hopefully start back at Catlin, you know, in the fall and we'll be in the back in, the, in, in classes. Um, but, you know, it just seems like right now it's so uncertain um, what are the kind of things you need as parents or would want, um, to keep it more sustainable if there is like suddenly like, you know, we're, we have to keep going longer. Mm -hmm. Are there, are there things that would make it work for you in that way? Um, I think honestly, in terms of the academics that what I've seen in this short time, that's why I keep saying it's amazing. What I've seen in this short time is that um, faculty and staff, staff have been able to switch this thing around and get along and have it in gear and, and comfortable with that. I, for me, and again, I'm speaking just from my perspective as a parent leader at the school, I worry about us keeping the gel as a community, as say a group of parents, that part of that constituent group in the, in the, in the, in the community, keeping it to, together, parents as far as how do we keep people interested in, in how do we keep school spirit? You know what I mean? How do we keep people interested in co coffees and that the, 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 the outlets where we were getting information as a community, things to benefit everybody. So that would concern me a, a little bit because I would think that at some point there would be fatigue from this whole having to zoom into something. You know what I mean? Zoom into PFA meeting, zoom into a PFA town hall pretty soon it's going to be like, okay, well, you know what? There is some piece of excitement that comes with being there with other parents at a coffee, say with Dawn or with Ted and, and learning about our kids that way. 
that is not quite the same as being on a political platform trying to get it. So that has worried me. I just don't want us to be tired of that, to, for that fatigue to set in. It's like, okay, whatever, another meeting. I, plus I have a ton of those with my work anyway. Do you see what I'm saying? Because if, yeah, if, there's, if one, the there's one outlet. Nation, yes. If the entire nation is going to go that way, then work is still going to be hard press, you know, pressing hard, full hard press on, on your, your computer. And then now you have a whole engagement with, with other family members on the computer. People are going to get tired. So I have thought about that. I'm not to the place where I'm, it's, not, it's not critical yet, but I, I worry about that moving into the fall. I totally agree. I totally agree, Mimi. And I think, I think that fatigue will come sooner rather than later. You know, for my mm -hmm. six-year-old, that fatigue came like the third day. <laughs> you know, I, I think that the older we are, the, the more we can say, okay, you know, I can handle this for, for maybe a little while longer. But I agree that there's going to be fatigue. And I did go to a coffee with John and some of the other parents. And for me, maybe this is just me, but like the birthday celebration, it was wonderful to see people's faces and hear people's voices. And I left feeling really sad because it was just seeing those people and hearing those voices just reminded me of everything that we don't have right now and everything that we've lost. Um, so that was tough. Um, I think what parents, including me, will continue to need is, is responsiveness and flexibility from teachers, which I have absolutely gotten from my kids' teachers. Um, and I, I hope that other parents have gotten to, um, you know, they've been, they've been willing to, I mean, more than willing, above and beyond, um, been willing mm -hmm. to communicate about what is working and what isn't working mm -hmm. and, yeah. and figuring out a plan. Um, you know, both of them. My kindergartner is struggling the most for sure, but, um, you know, I've talked to my fourth graders teacher as well about, you know, how her days were and, you know, where the balance was and, and how her needs are being met. And um, he was so responsive and I think we'll really need that to continue um, for sure especially if that fatigue really sets in for kids. Um, this time is already so stressful, uh, mm -hmm. more for some kids than others. Um, and we, we don't need to be adding more, more stress. We don't need to be adding Zoom stress or, um, <laughs> or other stresses to their lives. So, um, you know, just that understanding, I think, and flexibility from, from administrators and teachers. And so far, I have really seen that and had that, um, which I'm really appreciative of. So what is yeah. your, what is your, the day look like for your kindergartner? I'm curious yeah, about, like, and, and yeah. you know, Mimi's talking about her kids and, uh, you know, I think for the most part, upper elementary school up to high school, those kids can really manage them themselves mm -hmm. probably pretty well. Mm -hmm. It really seems like the parents of the youngest kids are now taking on this role of full-time teacher, full-time parent, full-time job. You know, how one of the things I'm wondering about just in my position and and, and thinking as as an educator, how do we support what those kindergartners need, but not suddenly make it so the parents are just like, now you are the teacher, you know, because they have, <laughs> there's just going to be a lot more needs of not being on screens all the time. Um, so wh what have you been doing at home? You, you have, you have an educator, uh, 
living with you? Like what kind of educational conversations are you having? Yeah. Um, his, my conversations with him are very limited because he is on zoom all day and um, he's actually working longer hours now than he was before. And Rob, this may be true of you too. I mean, he's, he's the technology teacher and the technology coach at his school. So as you can imagine, a lot of people have a lot of questions for him and need Absolutely. a lot of guidance. So um, it's most of his day is not, you know, setting up the curriculum for his students. He is doing that of course, but most of his day is um, tech questions. But anyway, so he, he is an educator, but he is um, tied up. Uh, I'm actually, I actually used to be a teacher. Um, so I have an education background as well. And I, I think the answer to this question would vary a lot from parent to parent. Because I have an education background and because my current job, I cannot do remotely. So I am not working from home. Um, so I am able to support Isla during the day. Isla's my kindergartner, which is good because, you know, she needs it 100%. I, I don't know how this would work. I don't know how people are doing it, really, when both yeah. parents are working full time. So, um, I mean, to be totally honest, as much as I adore her teacher, um, I think it would actually be easier for me if I did just say, okay, I am going to step in as the teacher and I'm going to structure her day because right now I feel this push and pull between what Isla needs and having this great respect for her teacher and the time, the incredible amount of time that I know her teacher is putting in. Um, and then also the time that I'm putting in. And, you know, I just wonder if it would actually be more efficient for me to say, we adore you and we love you, Thea, who is Isla's teacher. Um, and it's actually going to make more sense for us to just design our own day. Now, having said that, that doesn't really answer your question. Um, her day in some, is... In some ways it does. I mean, I think okay. it, does, it brings up the, the complexities of what you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. Um, she, of course, does not have as much Zoom time as um, other students, or at least as my other student, um, as my fourth grader. She has a morning meeting, uh, which she has not been going to, um, and where Sia outlines the day. And then um, she has a homeroom every day except for Wednesday. She has a homeroom class, and then a little while later, she has a specials class. Um, and so she has one special each day, you know, wood shop, studio, etc. Um, and I, I think the, the schedule was really thoughtfully designed and there's just like no amount of thoughtfulness can make Zoom the perfect way to educate five and six year olds. <laughs> it's yeah. just, I think, an unfortunate reality. And then um, in between, we work on her assignments, um, ideally you know, when she agrees to do that. And sometimes she doesn't want to do that. And we're doing her assignments, you know, at 630. Um, so it's a little bit, it's a little bit all over the place. Um, but we're doing a lot of puzzles and reading a lot of books and, you know, doing a lot of things that are really valuable um, for kids her age in between. Um, and I, I'm just so thankful that my fourth grader is a she is the type of student who is absolutely just on top of this and and totally manages her own schedule. So a big thank you to her. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. You know, Becky, you say that and, and um, wow, it, it just brings, brings to my mind, as I'm sure is forefront on the, both of your minds as well, just our members of the community for whom this is so less than ideal, where, you know, you have to be at work. You, I, I don't care, regardless the age of your child, you just don't have that kind of bandwidth to, to police it at all, to be there, to, you know, and, and, and we're finding maybe one parent is, going, is, is having to stay home if it's a two-parent family. If, if it's a single parent, it's so difficult to be, to, to be able to say, for example, you have a six-year-old trying to manage that, but you also have to be at work and a considered an essential worker, or you, your type of work is just that, so that you can't do it at home. You know what I mean? That's, these are people in our community. This is the, the, the city of Portland. This is the nation at large. There's so many families right now. So it's so difficult because even if you want to, even if this, this is the model that the school has moved to, you can't make that happen. You know what I mean? You can't make it happen because you can't be home. You can't be home to, um, to, to, to do enough to have your child's social distance, but also keep them in check to where you're, you're checking on the work, you're, you're policing, but you just can't because you have to go to work. And so I worry about that, um, um, that part of our population as well, where, you know, parents have to, or a parent has to, is now forced to stay home and do this and stay home and do the distance learning or monitor the distance learning. Kids for whom school was a respite, refuge, you know what I mean? Like, then, then as opposed to being, being at home, you know, and for some people where it's like, okay, the, the, they know the kid goes to school and after school, they're going to the after school care program. At least you all, you, you knew that was there. You knew that the village was there for your kid to go to. You know what I mean? Now we don't have that. We don't have that. And so I, I worry about what are we going to do as a community moving forward? Are we going to get to a point where um, the kids, the kids who need it can be in one space, but social distance you know it's it's all of these intricacies that make it that i'm so nervous about moving forward that we don't know these unanswered pieces because um it might work for some families for maybe like a month like it has been working maybe it can't be two months maybe it definitely can't be six months of this you know and you can't give up work so so what happens there you know i know that it took a while because i have family in england it took them a while to close the schools for this very reason because a lot of people could not be home to work through the day and have the privilege of having their kids do distance learning. It just wasn't working. They had to be in schools. And so they had to keep the schools open for a while, for a while. They were finally things got critical and schools were, were shut down. So moving into what we're thinking of as in, you know, if, if this goes on till next year, these are the things that we're in. How do we adapt as a community to, um, um, care for and think about our constituents who for them they have to be at work even if their kids are distance learning you know yeah, yeah I mean I, I think that's that's a really good point I, I'm as we're talking I keep thinking well what are the answers what are the answers and and there are no answers there's I think we're in such a profoundly uh, difficult you know worldwide situation where you know, the entirety of humanity is dealing with this, all this problem together. It's just such a, it's a huge opportunity, but as an educator, it really pushes me to start wondering about what are, what are the ways that we can 
continue to support kids. So they, they had developed that wherewithal to be able to be like, I've, I'm going to, yeah. even as a kindergartner, that you're not totally dependent on the parent to run things. You know, it's, yeah. it's going to be more and more re- reliant on kids having that sensibility to, to have some kind of drive to be like, I want to learn this thing and I'm, I'm going to spend time doing it. And, mm-hmm. you know, so that's, that's kind of like the open question I keep wondering about is how do we support that? Um, because even if we, you know, the school opens and then there's, you know, the, who knows if this is the new kind of normal that things close yeah. down and open up that, yeah. that we need to be thinking about ways that we're supporting kids and those families that just don't have the capacity to become the mm-hmm. teacher for their kid full time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, a big question mark. It's a big question. It's a big question mark. And I think these next few months here are going to determine some of those answers for us or at least what we need to be thinking about. They're going to shape up what we need to be thinking about yeah. moving into the fall. Yeah. yeah. So as your role, Mimi, um, <laughs> as the PFA president, um, are you having these kind of same conversa- conversations with people or like what, what's the role that, that you're taking on or that has it shifted at all? Well, I, 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 I will say that it was like right when we, during the spring break period and right when we shut down and we were going to go to, was it May, May 1st or something like that? Not so much, but right now that it's been determined that we're not coming back before the end of the school year and it's the fall we're looking at now i think is is the time that it's dawning on a lot of people that wait a minute what if this doesn't change in the summer or what if like historically how other things have been these these types of uh, pandemics have been where it just resurges again in the fall what do we do how do we know how do what's the test we don't have a litmus test for what generally happens with pandemics you know health crisis in the fall there's no litmus test. We're just going to have to wait and see, right? So I'm hearing more. I'm hearing more of, have we decided, you know, do you know, Mimi, if, if you know, what's Catlin decided to do about X, Y, Z? Right now, the buzz, I can tell you, is graduation. It is graduation. It is jumping up from fifth to sixth grade. It is the eighth grade moving into high school. That's the one that's giving a lot of people, that's the concern right now. That's what people are talking about right now. But I'm sure that once that wave is over in, in about May, once those, those, what what we're doing for that is solidified by May, June, I'm pretty sure that the questions will shift then again to, and if we're still going at the rate we're going, which I pray we're not, but if we are, then questions will shift into, okay, so now let's look at the fall. You know what I mean? What's happening? But so far, I haven't heard nervousness about the fall, but definitely about graduation and, and moving kids, you know, for the kids who are in transition point grades, moving, moving up. So I've gotten a lot of questions from parents about that, especially senior graduation, especially yeah. senior graduation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're talking here, I just started thinking about, well, what are some ways out? You know, what are the, the solutions out? And I, I feel like... Um, the only real way out is to really understand, you know, who is, who's a care, you know, the, the, the whole idea of testing and wondering if um, there's some way that we can, as a community that uh, 
very privileged community that there's, there's some strong voices in our community. Are there ways to bring, you know, testing to Portland, like the Portland community where, you know, if, if the, the federal government or the state government can't do it, are there, are there potential of, of providing testing for everybody to say, Hey, you know, we're, that's, that seems the one way we can figure out what, what we, who can be together and who can't be together and answer the question yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, I absolutely agree. Yeah. You know, I yeah. just, it's, it's I, I started thinking, could there be, be... Becky, don't you think so? I do. I do think so. And um, one of my kids' grandparents was really sick and we're pretty sure that she had COVID-19 and she has recovered, but because she couldn't get a test, um, even though her husband's a doctor and works at a hospital, you know, it's, it's not even like he can't even sneak one home. Not that that would be ethical, but, um, <laughs> she, she, <laughs> she couldn't get one because she never got sick enough to need, thank God, you know, to be in the hospital, to need intensive care. Um, so, you know, she still can't see anybody, still can't see her grandkids. And I know she misses them so much. And, um, yeah, I think she would love to know, um, both so that she could, potentially donate blood or donate plasma at, to, to help other people, but also, you know, to know when she can gather with folks safely. Yeah. 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 I think so. I think testing, because testing is what will separate. That's when we will know, okay, a certain population. And again, bringing it back to Catlin, a certain population can be there, can be on campus, can be together. And so we can make um, um, the necessary arrangements for, for, for those kids maybe to be in school. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. But if, if you don't have that, then nobody knows. And we will more than likely not run the risk of just jumping back into into um, the, the, the normal swing of things, you know? Yeah. So these, these next few months, honestly, is so critical for us as a school and the community in Portland in, in general, you know? Yeah. So. Well, thank you both. I mean, this has been a... a a long conversation. I think we probably could keep talking. It's, you know, we're yeah. getting close to an hour. Um, but I do want to respect your time and maybe you guys can get dinner on at five. Um, <laughs> we can all eat. We can all eat. Yeah. Um, thank you so much again for, for sharing uh, your thoughts. And um, I, I think it's helpful for, hopefully it will be helpful for other people to hear your voices because I think there's, there's some real power in hearing other people that are going through the same thing. So, yeah, I think this was really fabulous to do. Um, I think it was great for me to talk about some of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I really appreciate you doing this, Robin. I'm going to go listen to more of these, these podcasts now. Good. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Thank good. you. Thank you, Rob. This is a great platform for, for parents. Thank you for, for um, inviting us and bringing us the opportunity to be able to discuss some of this. I really, 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 really am rooting for the entire community. Uh, these, these will be much appreciated moving forward. I'm sure that from, if from time to time we can talk on these platforms about what's happening, maybe get some more parents involved on what's happening. It would help. It would help all of us. And uh, I'm hoping for the best for everybody. You yeah. Know, and and I, I agree. I, I feel like this is one platform that goes out to people and it's, it's a way people can kind of listen when they want to. If you have ideas of conversations or you have parents that want to be talking about something, please reach out 
we'd love to get some more families and a, a mix of people on here. Sure, yeah. sure. Thank you. Thank you both. Be safe. Thank you, Rob. Yes, yeah. great Thanks to see you as always, Mimi. Thanks for listening to this episode of Elevate. If you have questions, ideas, or want to share your story, please send us an email. Elevate at catlin.edu.